this episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by now we're cooking a food delivery service we will fax you all the menus from all the restaurants order our deluxe package now Welcome to this podcast, Making Me Thirsty, a place to be for Seinfeld fans. This episode 45. In this episode, we talked to Angela Featherstone. Angela played Cindy, the maid, in the season nine episode of Seinfeld, the maid. As always, thanks for listening. If you dig it, please pass it on. Enjoy. Follow us on Twitter at ThisThirsty. Email us at this podcast is making me thirsty at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is Making Me Thirsty, episode 45, Angela Featherstone. All right, welcome to this podcast is Making Me Thirsty. This is episode 45. Tonight we are joined by a model, actress, and writer. Uh, you know her as Chloe and Friends, uh, Linda and the Wedding Singer, uh, you've seen her in Girls and Ray Donovan. She created the nonprofit organization, the PPP, a nonprofit healing school and teaching certificate program for youth aging out of foster care. And of course, she was Cindy, Jerry's maid and girlfriend in the classic season nine episode, The Maid of Seinfeld. Please welcome Angela Featherstone. Angela, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, is my sound okay too? Because I, I, I have my little headphones, but if this yeah. works, that would be great. Yeah, it works. Works for us. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> you sound and look great, and we're honored to have you on the show. Now, let's go to 1998. Like, what a year. I mean, you did Zero Effect with Stiller and Bill Pullman. You did The Wedding Singer with Sandler. And obviously, you did Seinfeld. What can you take us back 23 years and tell you what, just tell us what that year was all about? That was 1998. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I've actually been um, writing and I've been, I publish essays sometimes. And uh, well, I write essays sometimes and, and I like to publish them. And um, I just started an essay recently that takes place predominantly in that year, like the end of 97 into 98. And yeah, I tell people all the time it was, I think that, you know, 97 was pretty big. Um, leading into that I think that's when I shot friends and um I had uh I think that's probably when I shot the wedding singer and anyway so yeah 97 going into 98 98 was probably the best year of my career um and it was also not to be Debbie Downer but it, it also was one of the, one of the worst years um of my life but it was uh, career-wise it was amazing and, um, but I have a question for you because you said yeah. that it was episode, uh, season nine of Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, I thought they did 10 seasons. No, nine seasons. You were in the second to last episode, actually. The, I was in the final four. And yeah, I have a good story two. about that. Yeah, that was one of our questions. Go ahead. Yeah, we'd love to hear. I have a good story about that. It's one of my happy stories um, in my career. And it, to me, it's like, a, it's a really beautiful a story about Hollywood. Um, so for years, I would audition for Seinfeld. And every single time I would audition for Seinfeld, they would 
specifically make a point to say, we really love her. We're not going to hire her for this, but we'll have her back for something. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, two years later, they would bring me in for something. And again, they would say, we love her, but we're not going to hire her for this, but we're going to find her something. And the thing is, is that as an actress in Hollywood, you hear that every day. Mm. That's like, that is like a dime a dozen. We love her. We're going to find something for her. They're not finding anything for you. And I kind of, as you noted, I was a little bit busy, um, had other things going on. And all of a sudden, one day I get a phone call that they it's the I, I had been aware of this sort of hoofara about the ending of Seinfeld right. and I had heard already of the final four and I was like wow that's you know that's so cool it sounds like hockey and it's like <laughs> it's just like it just it's it's it was like a it was a time I think like I think like ER was ending or renegotiating for like you know hundreds of millions of dollars for the final season and 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 friends was dying i think it was like on the final 10 like it was this moment this epic era of comedy at nbc and not just comedy but you know warren littlefield was was the head of this of that network and he is just a, a profound legend just mm-hmm. a genius and i mean probably still is um i haven't talked to him but um anyhow this sort of time of of a renaissance really in television at that network and so there they were the Seinfeld the final four but again I wasn't thinking about it and all of a sudden I got a phone call they want to hire you for one of the last episodes and not only was it obviously like a total thrill to be in the final four which I think is legendary but also it was a story of where Hollywood actually said something they meant i mean and you know mark hirschfeld's not all of hollywood but i mean i i feel like that's important yeah they lived definitely up to it. noteworthy yeah they lived up to it right they, they really did that's that's really good. That's they said story. something and they meant it and they followed through Whoa. and it was for nothing you know no less than the final four of seinfeld so i got really lucky <laughs> so angela was there that's a great story. And I do want to ask you if you remember any of the other parts that you did try out for that you might have watched him like, man, I would have killed on that. But did you did you have to try out for the, the play? Was there an audition or did Mark? I don't to- think I auditioned for the maid. So they already had seen it. No, they really were like, we got it. Finally. They, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they were. I really it, there was a sense of it. I have no memory at all of auditioning for the maid. And there was a sense of it that it was like we got three episodes left we said we were going to hire her let's bring her let's give her this i mean that's really what it seemed like was it was it palpable on the set that that you could sense that this was coming to an end that these people have been doing this for nine years and then you know it's a pretty iconic show obviously and they've been around it was that at all noticeable was there any type of emotions yet or are they still kind of just professional if you remember anything about like shooting as far as that goes they were all crying no, um, I will tell you, I had, I have a funny story about my experience on Seinfeld and, and it's when people ask me like, what was it like on Seinfeld? They never seem very happy with my response. So I'll just preface it with that because here's the truth about my experience on Seinfeld. Um, Jerry Seinfeld had 
suddenly gotten like severe he couldn't speak he lost his voice yeah his voice is different in that episode for sure he yeah, had yeah. literally he got i don't know what it was but some kind of like a sickness that had just happened and he literally lost his voice like is that called laryngitis or something yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. He but they wrote like, they wrote that into the show yeah yeah they oh, okay. did and, so and, he had gotten yeah. something really bad that took away his voice literally um, and so basically that and whatever it seems my experience of it was that whatever well-oiled machine had been running at, at that high of a level for all of those years literally went like all the white blood cells went to Jerry and getting Jerry better it was all about Jerry's getting his shots and the doctor and Jerry and so um that was sort of the sense of it. And really there wasn't a lot, like you just, you didn't want to tap anybody's energy. You didn't, that was my sense. It was like, I, I was like, hit your mark, say your line. Don't drain anybody because somebody's sick and, and it's not good. And they needed to, to get the, that episode. And, um, but it was also, I'll just spin into the next big experience that I had on that show that I've never had before. And I, I mean, I wasn't, um, I haven't done a, I haven't done a lot of sitcoms, but um, I've certainly spent a lot of time around a, a lot of comedians and a lot of uh, funny people and you know and mm -hmm. sort of for a while I sort of I worked you know I did I've done like three or four movies with Dave Chappelle I was good friends with Neil I'm good friends with Neil Brennan I spent a lot of time you know around the Happy Madison gang I right. you know and um, Norm Macdonald I'd been to the comedy the just career comedy festival and you know I'd, I've, I've sort you know Jeff Ross was a good friend at that you know those, that was sort of like one of my circles of friends at that time and um or comrades anyway I wouldn't call them maybe friends but per se although Neil's a friend but it was like like my peers right right and I have never had the experience that I had on Seinfeld where I would take all of my experience and all of my preparation and all of my best comedy chops that I could muster in that moment. And I would like, you know, run, 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 say my line and fucking cricket, like not a peep, not, not even like a pin drop. It was just like, crickets and I was like that was like my best like that was my Olympic best <laughs> and I mean for real for real because it's the Olympics being on you know right. acting opposite Jerry Seinfeld is the fucking Olympics right. and so um no one said a word and Jerry goes like this he's like well and literally the place is like in an uproar <laughs> and I was like, wait, and I tried it again, like another time. I would like really give my comedy best, and there'd be like silence. And then all of a sudden, Jerry's like, so, and riotous laughter. And I was like, wow, it's like there's you and your very best, and then there's a few galaxies, and then there's Jerry Seinfeld, and everyone's just waiting for him to speak. Well, here's yeah. what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about that. They're just kissing his fanny. That's number one. But <laughs> number two, all due respect, and I think that there's a lot to go into that. I'm glad you kind of unpacked that a little bit. Yeah. By season nine, and we agree, like 
the show became, we're not big season nine. The fans. show became I mean, kind of cartoonish. A great episode, the show became kind of cartoonish. Larry David left. It 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 really it really had some low points, but honestly, the maid is one of our favorite episodes. And quite frankly, we do believe you kind of stole the show in that. Like well, George For like sure. George stuff parts. is not good. The, the Lane stuff is not good at all. Yeah, so your your stuff, your, your line was some of this earlier with with Coco. It's like it was really we funny. Deliver that Coco. She's all right. As you want, that's a great great line. That's a great line of that episode. Thanks. And just yeah, to play so, with Jerry and everything, sophisticated. I did my best. That was my comedy being best in that situation for sure. I mean, it's very different than Adam. You know, an and a movie is different than a sitcom and. The Wedding Singer was a totally different experience than like season nine of a well-oiled. Yeah, so tell us a little bit that. What? Tell me some of the differences or similarities between, obviously being on the set of Seinfeld, it seemed a little, uh, little tense. Um, w- you know, with without Larry David there, how was it with with Sandler? Oh my god! Different? Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I think I do think, in all fairness, it's it's not. I mean. I don't know Jerry Seinfeld. I only met him on set. Right. So I can't really, I have, you know, spent a, a fair amount of more time with Adam Sandler. Um, and so I can't really comment on their personalities, but I, I, my sense is that my experience of Adam Sandler is that he's very, very kind and generous and present and um, calm and laid back. Oh, and and um, my very limited experience of Jerry Seinfeld is that he's um, like super, pro- super professional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's like, okay, when there when I used to model, there was models like me who were like smoking cigarettes and trying not to ruin their makeup, but maybe they might've just come from the bar and stayed out all night and were showing up at the studio. Maybe we were, maybe we weren't, I don't know, but we were having fun. And there was other models who came with their makeup full done and their hair all blown out and their little bag of stockings in case you didn't like the color they had on, like professionals. And I feel like Jerry Seinfeld is like a professional comedian. Um. I don't imagine him like ever sitting in a room filled with like hamburger wrappers and like for days and like flicking, you know, through some crazy, you know, wild kingdom of of, like orangutans, day seven. (laughs) Um, Like I see like, you know, there's a lot of comedians that I can imagine easily doing that. I feel like Jerry's sort of like a PhD. Well, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, it's funny, Angie, we had uh, Tawny Katayan on. I think you got a more mature Jerry, like he had he had a girlfriend at that point. Season two, he literally got Tawny Katayan the job because he wanted to ask her out. So it was a kind of a different, probably more fun-loving Jerry back in. Do you want to know a dirty story about that? Of course we do. Yes. <laughs> I've never told anybody this before. Well, except for maybe at the time I told people. Because it was sort of like a, 
like a car accident like you feel ashamed and guilty for looking but at the same time you, you can't stop looking and it was sort of one of those experiences for me it was like a car seeing a car accident a deadly de bloody car accident on the side of a freeway um my friends i'm not gonna say exactly i'm gonna be protective of her but my girlfriend worked with people on the show and had told me prior to filming that here's how it goes on the show. This is a horrible story. <gasps> okay. We only have 53 listeners. I love you. You're like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, Angie. You tell us the dirty story and then everybody's going to get me too. Um, there is, okay. She had told me that if Jerry, the Jerry between Jerry and Michael, What's his name? Michael Kramer? Richards? Kramer? Kramer, yeah. Michael yeah. Richards, yeah. Michael Richards. Between Jerry and Michael Richards, they would decide which if they liked the girl or not, the, the, the female guest. And if Jerry liked the girl, then of course Jerry got the girl. Because Jerry's, it's the Jerry Seinfeld show. <laughs> but if Jerry didn't like the girl and he passed, then Michael would go for it. Like that, they sort of had some like thing. So... I was like, okay, you know, cool, heads up. Like, and again, when I got to the show, they were all um, focused on making Jerry be able to stand up and be well and get the show done. And so none of that, like there was no flirting. There was no, nothing absolutely inappropriate at all. Um, it was literally like performing a really amazing surgery. Um, and then about a week after I was on the show, I was like, well, nothing happened. Like, Jerry was sick. I'd kind of forgotten about her, her warning. And um, I get a phone call. I get a, I get a message. As I, at that time, I had, like, where if you called my number, I had an answering service. So it would mm -hmm. go to, like, some, a really nice lady who would take, who'd be like, you know, hello, Featherstone residents. Um, and they could call and then she would call me and say you have or I would call in I don't remember but I even had a page or anything but anyway um I got a message that Michael Richards had called my answering <laughs> machine and I was like oh I guess Jerry didn't like me because I knew the story and I never answered at all I, I I think that even if he had been like Clark Gable I wouldn't I would have not responded because who wants to be um second choice not that not that i wanted jerry to ask me out but or or, or that he would have it's just that's horrible once you know that information it's like hey not only are you a loser and first round passed you by but you know second you're a second round draft pick in a league of two and the, and the second team is Michael Richards. That's a that's a that's a pretty big shift. <laughs> Kramer liked the maid. All right, well, your number one draft pick for us, Angela. Oh, thank you. Is that a horrible story? No, that's a great story, and okay. and uh, definitely. Um, for the record, for all the cancel culture people, Not very there. clear. No. Nobody did anything wrong. There was no inappropriate behavior. Someone just called 
my number. He could have just called to say hi. He no, could have just wanted to get a cup of coffee. That's yeah, it. That's right. Maybe I left something on set and he was trying to return it. <laughs> anyway, he wasn't. He was clearly uh, coming after me, but <laughs> So we talked about this right before we hopped on. Um, kind of the, we deem Seinfeld the best comedy ever. Um, I know you probably have an opinion about that. I know you played a huge part on Friends, which some people think is a great comedy as well. Um, tell me some of the memories and kind of differences and similarities between the two shows. I mean, it sounds like the Seinfeld experience, like very professional, it's kind of the end of the line. And you were kind of on Friends kind of at its, I guess its peak, right? And it's kind of one of the most talked about episodes, but maybe touch on that a little bit and kind of just settle the score for us. What's the better comedy, Seinfeld or Friends? Oh, God. Well, I do think that that's, um, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges. It really is. It's, it really is. Like, the experience on the set, they're so divergent. Is that the right word? Oh, wow. So different. Um, friends, there's like, there's so many of them. And the, you know, the writing crew were, were just like, it just felt like, um, they could have been making cookies, but they just happened to be writing comedy. Like it just was very loving and very familial. And um, Jim Burroughs directed that uh, episode, which also felt kind of amazing. You know, I kind, I kind, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud that I got to be in the final four. I'm very proud that I got to be in the wedding singer. I'm very proud that I was on Girls, which we can talk about too. But I am very proud that I got to work with Jim Burroughs he's a genius but what happened with 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 friends for me was um I was at the craft so I'd done the rehearsal but I had you know again like those I think friends was my first sitcom hmm. ever so um yeah I've only done like I think I've only done like three well two real sitcoms Seinfeld and friends and then girls is like a comedy but um but so um, it was my first experience on a, on a sitcom and I didn't really have like sitcom chops. And so everything was kind of new to me and I was mesmerized, but like, 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 I guess like mesmerized is the right word. Like I, I, I was doing a rehearsal and Burroughs and like, there's all the scaffolding and the crew and the electricians and the grips, people are moving and, and 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 all the you know the boys are there and um you know swimmer and perry and leblanc and everyone's there and jim pearls looks over and he goes hey move over one inch and i was like okay like wow you know i've done like really intense dramas with like really intense directors and no one's ever said like move over an inch like that's really that's really precise. Right. And so, and I, in my, my mind, I was like, I guess my initial instinct was sure, but an inch isn't really going to make that much of a difference. And I moved over an inch and I swear to God, their jokes flew better. It's crazy. And I was like, wow, how the, how did he just do that? 
he had me move an inch and suddenly there the joke was funnier so i was kind of like wow this this is other level um the physical the physicalness the the yeah whatever the word is like the 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 physical element of comedy and how placement and just all of that physical it's very different than just being a stand-up comic and telling jokes or very different than you know my limited experience which is basically um you know just being a loud version of me um which was what I basically did for comedy most of the time but um so yeah so friends was really a big learning experience but so what happened on friends was I was getting we were getting ready to film it was Friday Friday you know film film night and I was at the craft service table and Jim Burroughs had been very you know he's directing an episode he's not he's not there to like be my friend so he's like you know move an inch don't talk say this do that look over there and then I'm standing by the craft service table and I'm like bending over to get something and I can feel someone walk past me and I look up and I see it's Jim Burroughs and he goes this is your big break kid don't fuck it up <laughs> and I was like like and now I'm, that was, I was like, oh God, I am going to fuck it up. Um, but so. Well, he's a genius. I mean, he's a master. Talking, yeah, it's cheers. And I mean, he's a master. Incredible. I was just, I'm such a dork. Like I'm the girl who memorized most of Pee Wee's Big Adventure and would recite it and act it out all the time. <laughs> um, so I am such a, a dork that a lot of the time in those moments with masters like that of comedy, I'm geeking out on the science of comedy. Right. I mean, you, you, your first ever, from what I could tell anyway, is Kids in the Hall. You were on Kids in the Hall. I was an extra. You, but you yes. were an extra, but hey, you were there. You were watching some comedic I was that work. There. I mean, that I got, was, uh, you know, I'm assuming you, because you grew up in Canada, am I right? Or at least you were there during that time. I grew up in Canada, but I had left and lived in New York and overseas and then With came modeling back and then came back okay to to Toronto well to Winnipeg originally I, I went from New York in 89 and and um went back to 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 Winnipeg got my GED and 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 went to college for a year and then my friend was in Toronto from because I'd started out my modeling career in Toronto mm. and my friend from there got sick. And so I went back to Toronto for a year to be with him while he was dying. And during that year, I ended up hanging out with uh, Joe Forrestal, who Lauren Michaels had sent to Toronto um, to manage to show run kids in the hall. And so I had a lot of friends there who were connected and you know the cool kids and the funny kids and they all were hanging out with joe and so i started hanging out with joe and then um i said i want to be an actress and he said well you can be uh an extra on kids in the hall and so i was and i became friends with um <laughs> <laughs> what do we got <laughs> scott friends scott okay What's his name? Not Scott Foley. No, Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Dave Foley. Um, I became friends with Dave Foley for uh, not not then, but later I was friends with him. And I was at Dave Foley's house once. I was in Toronto doing a movie and I went over to Dave Foley's house and 
um, he had just moved back and to Toronto and Mike Myers came over. It was me and Dave Foley and Mike Myers hanging out. And we were playing around because I was, uh, I kept, um, and I forget what Dave had just done at that time, but he had just, well, he was on that uh, Spin City. What was it called? Well, no, it was um, News Radio. News Radio. Yeah. He was big, was um, can show. you edit out all the parts where I sound dumb? Because <laughs> I am a hit or miss girl. Oh, this and, is great. Uh, this is great. When I land, I land, but the rest so of what the year, time. What year is this hanging out with Mike That's Meyer? Probably, like late 90s, right? Or mid 90s? 90s. This would have probably been, yeah, late 90s. This was probably. I was, I was in, oh, you know what I was doing like in mid-90s. Toronto? I was in Toronto for the NHL Awards. I had to present the Vesna Award to Dominic Hasek. And so Great. I was there. Oh, and the yeah. So I think that, yeah, I think that um, uh, it was probably, yeah, it was probably the end of 98, I'm guessing. And so all, anyway, and-, and I kept, the best part though is that, so I'm sitting there, Dave's like a comedy star, kids in the hall, news radio. I think he was in some big, like di- like movie like Toy Story or something. He was like some famous voice. And then there's Mike Myers, who's Mike Myers. And so I kept talking about the wedding singer. I would just be like, yeah, well, I remember when I was on the wedding singer. And they actually played along. We had a we had a really funny time. Me acting like I was, you know, we I was amongst my peers, which I clearly wasn't. <laughs> so speak speaking of the wedding singer, right? I, I if I had a say what you're best known for right i'm just top my head i'm thinking wedding singer friends and seinfeld and what's interesting is you look completely different in each of those right you have that 80s look obviously in the wedding singer chloe kind of had that just short hair and obviously the maid like you know looked like a knockout but what um what you are just you? love the maid. I love the maid. I love the maid. You're like, you were ugly and everything, but not the maid. I, I, oh, no, no, the maid, sure nobody touches no, the no, maid. No, 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 no. Did I say ugly? No, no, no. But I mean, just I mean like, yeah, you were like 80s and you're like, you had hair in the other thing, but boy, the maid. That Van Halen t shirt, come on, nothing better. What, uh, but what do you get stopped on the street the most about of those three? No, hey, lady, <laughs> move. <laughs> in well not in la you don't get stuck where where are you guys we're in uh, new york just us close to the city suburb out, out there in new york so new york people stop me they don't stop me on the street but they nod and they recognize me in new york in la nobody recognizes you i mean unless you're like gene simmons they recognize you <laughs> at the deli <laughs> um but like yeah i don't have that experience here but new york people are so lovely but i think that new yorkers probably recognize me from seinfeld i'm gonna guess but people don't really it's funny because i have a i've done a wide range of things i've done i mean um, con air is a blockbuster action movie i mean that 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 had to be completely different than like 200 cigarettes or you know even the wedding singer right or well, see, but that's the thing is that I the fans that love 200 cigarettes are very different than the fans that love Friends. Right, now. right. 
and the fans that love Seinfeld, um, like I was telling someone I was going to do this podcast and they were like, oh, is that what you're most famous for is Seinfeld? And I was like, it depends your age group and your right, gender. I can see that. Because yeah. if you ask a 17 year old girl right now who they would like to talk to, the maid, Linda from the wedding singer or Chloe, they're fucking obsessed with Chloe. <laughs> they are obsessed it, it was a and also and what about um, girls too i'm guessing that's probably that same demo right see i know they no girls girls was mostly 50 and up older yeah older, okay. um oh, really? but yeah i was surprised to hear that 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 was their number one demographic um not really surprised <laughs> sure not shell shocked. Right, right. That fifty-year-old men want to watch a show called, called Girls, girls with a right. bunch of nubile, beautiful girls, women running around naked having sex. But um, I was, I thought that it would be women in their, you know, twenty-four to thirty-five or something. But um, yeah, no, and I don't. I think that I love girls because I was, and um, and am a huge fan of Lena Dunham. Jenny Connor, Eileen Landris, that I think that that trifecta of women are just genius and masters. And I was, and that also had a story. I was my friend. Can I tell you my story? Do you have time for my of course, yeah. We my girls, yeah. my girls tidbit. So I was living in an apartment building not far from here. Um, and my neighbor was moving out, my friend Michelle Nader, who created two broke girls. She was moving out and she said, listen, my friend Jenny Connor is going to move into my apartment. Um, so when I move out, so I'm going to give her your number. I want you to, you know, be nice to her, look after her. Like, no problem. We were a really close knit group of people that lived in that building for a very long time. And it was like Jack Black lived there. Sharon Lawrence lived there. There was like Cameron Diaz lived there. It was, um, oh, you know who else? Um, the Partridge family, Susan Day. I used to see her in the laundry room all the time. And I was like, this is so weird. Like life and like TV and reality. It's so right. weird that I'm doing laundry with Susan Day from the Partridge family who I grew up watching. So anyhow, I said, sure, of course, you know, give her my number. And I'm, you know, texting with Jenny. What do you need? Her daughter came to my apartment and was like asking about my books and and da 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 and then she says oh my friend lena is gonna move into the apartment across the hall from you I was like oh okay that's so cool i had no idea i'd never heard of tiny furniture i had no idea of this story of what was happening i was in a bit of a um cloud at that time um and so anyhow i just become friends with them i'm texting them and and we're tweeting each other and I tweeted I think I know I texted them or I texted Jenny or I tweeted Jenny I can't write DM'd her or something and I said I asked said something to her and she said you must be psychic we were Lena and I were just talking about you we're gonna write something for you on the show now I had not as I used to say like I couldn't get arrested at that time and um, then I like to add, I actually could get arrested. I did get arrested. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I did get arrested. But like that was basically, I was, yeah, I couldn't even stick to um, a cliche. 
it was I hadn't people were not lining up to hire me I think my last job offer had been wrestling with the stars where they wanted Angela Featherstone Linda from the wedding singer to be on wrestling with the stars and and I and I was like okay no like this is this is my bottom I'm not gonna work unless it's something that I like and unless it's with people that I like um and uh and something that I'm proud to do and so uh, I haven't worked a lot since then but that's there was two things like the role on Ray Donovan was written for me and the role on girls was written for me and so I feel um you know, as you can imagine, profoundly honored. But again, it was another example of people keeping their word and and being like really nice to, I don't make any difference. Um, you know, I don't have big TVQ. So hiring me is, a, you know, it's a mitzvah. It's it's really nice. It's a it's a gift. That's that's, that's great to hear. And I think I mean, what we've learned about her from you is just a story of like, redemption and belief and and never giving up and i think there is good in this world i think all you do as an actress an actor and a writer is great but i think um the biggest impact you've made is kind of what you do in the nonprofit. and uh we just want to take your, our hat off to you that you know helping those youth right get out of foster care as they age we know it's a difficult thing we know you went through that and we just want to give you a couple a minute here if you want to talk about what's next um at least in that role of your life oh sure well that's really sweet thank you yeah thank you for mentioning it thank you for mentioning it earlier and and um just creating space for it um yeah basically what happened was i've been writing screenplays the last couple of years my essay writing sort of transferred into screenwriting and i've been doing that and and i and i and i love um, how hard it is to do it. And I love the experience of expanding myself. Um, but the, the part about um, hustling in the industry and sort of like uh, what it takes to be a screenwriter in the business part is, has been very uh, challenging for me because I think at my core, I just love being happy. I love nature. I, if you follow me on Instagram, you know, 90% of my posts are like rabbits and mice, <laughs> like stars and clouds. And so I, 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 I think I like when things are really clear and there's really clear rules. And um, I wasn't experiencing that. And so last year when everyone was starting podcasts and the world was crumbling um, or, uprising or however you want to define it when everything was something was being created um i had a moment where you know you can't leave your apartment and uh there's covid everywhere outside the door and then there was um a lot of protests that were happening in my neighborhood and also there was um uh, windows you know the national guard were nearby and I have family in Nova Scotia. And I was at this sort of like really profound moment of pressure. I really felt like there was a lot of pressure on me. Like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I kind of was like, I think I'm okay to cash in my chips. I'll just like get rid of everything and go back to Nova Scotia and live 
a happy life with my family. My, 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 they're new to me because I, I only met them like 16 years ago, but I have a lovely family in Nova Scotia, sisters and nieces and nephews and, and, and cousins and, and, a, and a father and, and his wife and, and like, what the fuck am I doing in Los Angeles? Um, have you ever been to Nova Scotia? It's like, it's, it's, it's utopian. And so I kind of was like, all right, what am I going to do? And I, all of it, all of a sudden this, something just kind of happened to me. And it was like, you can't, like, I couldn't give up. I couldn't, I couldn't be done. I was, I still had too much to do, but I was like, what? What do you have to do? And I kind of had this moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to create a nonprofit healing school that is based on the healing paradigm that I have intrinsically created for myself over the last 11 years as I healed my trauma from growing up in an abusive family and then being in foster care and having all of that subsidiary trauma that comes with being in foster care. And then the trauma of, I didn't, I technically aged out of foster care, but really what happened was I convinced the judge to emancipate me when I was 17 and a half because I did not like foster care at all. I hated the group homes so much. And I knew that I was not for that world of permanent long-term incarceration. And so I got three jobs and I was always going AWOL, which is like, so you can see that I've only been a foster care you know, under a year, but I've AWOL every week, which means you, by the way, you catch a case because you, you get a warrant out for your arrest and then you go, it's this whole foster care to uh, juvie jail pipeline that keeps happening over and over, which is how you end up easily in prison when you age right. out of foster care because you've already Cycle. got a massive criminal record because you're going AWOL from a place that's fucking horrible. Horrible. Yeah. Any conscious civilized human being would AWOL from these group homes. The ones I was in, they're horrible. And so I figured I would save these kids years of drinking whiskey and get raped. Cause I had obviously like many kids from foster care, I had achieved clearly foster care does not equal a life sentence. I was, you know, on the cover of many, many, many magazines traveled all over the world on all of these amazing shows, incredible opportunities in life. But ultimately I did not have the ability to expand with life as life expands, right? You keep doing good work. You keep showing up, you keep working hard. Your life will get bigger. I did not have that capacity. And so when things, when things are going great, I was great. When things started to, whenever something bad happened, I would, uh, crumble which you need that you need to you need sustainability mm. you need an inner um uh like a foundation you need right. to have your life that's predicated on things other than money or success prestige so um when things got tough i took a hit and um i just thought I now know that all of these healing modalities work because they've worked for me. And what used to be trapped trauma is now life force. And so why don't I take what I've done? And I called, I, within two days, I had my whole staff. 
within two days, every single one of my healers that I've worked with in the last 10 years said, yes, I had my board, which includes, um, two of my practitioners, my lifelong best friend, not lifelong, but she's been my acting coach. She's the, she's Jennifer Aniston's acting coach. She's a genius acting coach. She's act, coached everyone, Lee Hilton Smith. And so I love her because she was on every single one of these shows with me, every single one of my movies. I never had to set foot on a set ever since the day I met her without knowing that I was a talented actress because of her. So she's really the one commonality behind all of my performances, including and not limited to 200 cigarettes. Um, but she really like, she was on set with me for that movie. But um, so she's on my board, two of my healers are on my board and Sia, the singer is on my board um, because she's a lovely, generous person. And um, Anthony Edwards is on my advisory board. He's a lovely friend. ER, and, right? Um, hmm? ER, right? Anthony Edwards? Yeah, Anthony, yeah. And also, yeah, and yeah, a couple of other things too. Well, Angela. Like, it's incredible. Yes, what? Incredible story. This, this podcast is making me thirsty. It's going to make a nice little donation tonight to the PPP. Oh, wow, thanks. Thank this you. Yeah. So that's no, my, is... so that's my, I think we're wrapping up, but yeah, that's my healing school and we're just getting started. Um, and I would like to, uh, we're going to open up a school here, hopefully this fall or early next year. And then I'd like to take it across the country so that every city can have these healing schools. That's incredible. I mean, so it's just, it's so good to hear these kind of stories. And if, I love how you, when you had the idea and you went to the people to help you, you're saying two days, it was all set up. Like those kind of things. I love when that happens, when it's just like, it just clicks and you're, you know, you yeah, had the people to rabbi, ask and they were the ones who, who jumped on it. Exactly. And my rabbi, uh, Mordecai Finley and his wife, Mira Finley, uh, came on board, came on the advisory board and uh, immediately got me a lawyer. So within three months, all my bylaws were done and we had submitted to the, our fight for 501c3 status and then we got expedited we had it and we got it in three days from the state of california so it's been like community effort but yeah it's one of those things kind of like mark hirschfeld and kind of like jenny connor right. where people just do good work and you get to be the recipient of that of their generosity and i guess you know what i what i try to bring every time is just my best self as best i can it sounds like too, it all it kind of all stemmed from that decision you made where it was like, I'm only going to do what I want to do. And I have to just be happy with that and, and be happy with myself and not worry about, you know, what, what the next thing I'm getting. And then it all starts coming to you. And those people that were loyal to you from the start start showing up. And uh, yeah, that's an incredible story. This has been great though. We really, uh, really appreciate it, Angela. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Yeah, anything else, Eric? No, Angie, thanks so much. This is uh, been an honor having you on the show. We love your work. Thank you. Thanks for having me, you guys. I love, I think you guys are great. And I hope you guys do really, really, really well because you're cool. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. Appreciate it. Have a good right. night. Thank we're you so done? Much. Yeah, we're, we're done. Great. You can relax. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 It was wonderful. Thank you.